0: Welcome to episode 51 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today is going to be a spicy one because we're going to be discussing some unpopular Avatar opinions. Spoiler alert ahead for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, The Rise of Kiyoshi, all that jazz. Uh, you are f- mostly free from spoilers from Shadow of Kiyoshi. Don't think it's going to come up, but just in case. And any Avatar Universe comic books. So, Andre, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I just realized as we were sitting down to record today that we completely brushed over the fact that we reached 50 episodes
0: last week. I was honestly going to bring that up, too. (laughs) Like, we didn't mention
1: it once. And I just think that's I think that's so funny and so on brand for us.
0: Like, oh, right. We made it this far. Yeah. Look at that. I also wanna point out, because like for part of this episode, we asked our listeners for their own avatar on popular opinions, and we literally posted it like the day we were recording this. And, like, we thought, oh, maybe we'll get, like, you know, three people comment. No, we got, like, seven or eight responses. And
1: we are beyond shocked. I was, I woke up and I was like, fuck, because I meant to ask this, like, at the beginning of the week. So we had a couple of days to get everyone's answers. But we got a good chunk of answers from people. So we're really, really uh, appreciative for you guys sending that in.
0: Seriously. I mean, y'all like us that much? Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I still get surprised, you know? Yeah. Like, There's
1: people still listening to the show. Yeah. People
0: still like us. People still listen to what we have to say and post. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So we don't have any Avatar news this week. So nothing to report here. So let's just move right on to the spicy, spicy stuff, the unpopular mm-hmm. opinions. So let's get the ball rolling. Uh okay. yes, season two of Korra was a little rough, but it's not as bad as a fandom makes it out to be. Uh okay. explain. Because I think I mean. A, you can't you know, it's got an important impact on Avatar. It's I think it's really cool how we got a, you know, more of like the spirit world, because we saw it it's like the, you know, it's very different than how you see it in the last airbender. There's more explanation to like how the avatar came about. Yeah. Um, and also we gotta point out the fact that they were on like a limited, they were gone some like crazy deadline. Korra was not intended to last as long as it did. Uh it was meant to be a limited series. So they had to continue something that kind of had a complete story in this first season. So Mm -hmm. something tells me that if they had been renewed for a season two sooner and they had that in mind when developing Korra, something tells me that it, you know, would have been a bit different, but from what we got, we, there's definitely plenty of problems. Trust me. I'm the kind of person that knows that can love something and know all the problems with it. When my favorite star Mm -hmm. Wars movies is revenge of the Sith. So don't come at me with that. Right. (laughs) Um, I like it because introduced, like, I mean, I think that it's a, it's, yeah, it's rough. We all know that, but it's, it's not that bad, guys. I don't think it will be that bad when we get around to it.
1: <laughs> I agree. I think, I think, um, naysayers will probably point out the fact that, like, yeah, it had a rough time of production and yeah, it's, it's got a lot of important development for the world, but is it a good season? Because they're not necessarily the same things. And I mean, Listen, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm gonna say that this season gets, the season this season in particular gets a lot of flack only because the other seasons are really fucking good. There you go. I think it's a good season. I don't think it's a great season by Avatar standards. By by no means, yeah. But its biggest sin, I think, and you know maybe this will change when we get to it on the show. But I think its biggest thing is that it is wholly unfocused as a season of Korra. Yeah. With other seasons of Korra, there is is one through line that we're following throughout the entire season... Mm-hmm. And with Korra, you can't really say the same, because the first couple episodes are about the civil war that's going on between the Northern Water Tribe and the Southern Water Tribe, and then we're learning about the first Avatar, and then suddenly we have this harmonic convergence thing, and then suddenly like, we're fighting Vatu, which is not even connected to our first conflict that we started with. Yeah. So it it's so jumbled up, and I think they were trying to get a lot of it done. And then you have this whole subplot about the movers, and uh mako l- l- solving this crime about the bombing at the northern water tribe cultural center and you're just like there's nothing wrong with having subplots within the main plot but it's it's just i think it's because they were so unrelated to everything i think it was a little hard to follow yeah. you know
0: i just don't think it's i don't think it deserves as much hatred as it did though um i still no. think it's I d- it's definitely a rough season don't get me wrong like, like i said it's it's rough like you said it's very unfocused but I don't think it merits being shit on that much.
1: Yeah, and it kind of dovetails into this um this particular opinion Kayla right here. Yeah,
0: that uh because yeah, exactly. It goes right into my next point which is it's not Cora's fault that she lost her connection with her past lives, guys. Like, do you think that she just like would willingly give that up? You literally see like Unavatu just like reaching into her and yanking Rava out. Like it's not like
1: you know yeah it comes up as very victim blamey for me yeah and it's like it's so funny because when i first heard this criticism i thought when people said it's it's um you know i hate cora because she, she lost her connection to the past lives and i was like i mean okay like you know i, I was i was thinking that they were talking about cora the show right mm-hmm. i was like i mean i would i didn't mind it but you know your own opinion but then i realized people were actually talking about the character cora and i was like Ooh, but she didn't do... It. It'd be different if she decided to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just very weird how people blamed her for that. It's almost kind of like blaming Aang for the genocide of his people, almost. like It's like, would would we have done this if Korra was a man? I'm just saying. We've talked about this a little more extensively on other Korra-related uh, episodes, but this was a big, unpopular opinion, unfortunately. So...
0: Yeah, uh, actually, I think, well, our, you know, our friend Sunshine over at Bending Not Breaking Street wrote a song about it on his TikTok about how it's not fault that right. she lost her connection to her past lives. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the actual working title, but uh, he <laughs> composed on ukulele and performed it on TikTok. I'm sure if you scroll through all of his Star Wars recap videos, you will be able to find it uh, on TikTok.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then what was your next point here, Kayla? Yes, yeah,
0: so the next one that I have is that uh, people need to stop being so harsh on kid characters. Uh, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you know, they make mistakes and all that stuff. And some of them make really big, messy mistakes. But also, like, we can't forget how old these characters actually are. Um, which it can be easy to forget how old these characters are when some of them are played by adults. Um, but, like, especially the hatred with Katara and, like, how, like, she mentioned her mom, like, maybe three or four times in the whole series. And everyone makes jokes about like, oh my gosh, keeps bringing up her mother's death and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, guys stop it.
1: <laughs> yeah. We had someone send in that as their unpopular opinion as well. How they, how it's so unfair that Katara was called annoying for talking about her dead mom that she's trying to process the grief of at 14 years old. Like it's a thing with pretty much everything involving children characters because it's very easy for us to detach age um unless the character is extremely and purposefully written to resemble childlike qualities but i mean cora Bolin, mako they're i mean they are technically still kids yeah but they act more like adults not our typical understanding of what children might be you know but it it is important to remember that the three of them are 17 when the show starts right so but at the same time it's like it doesn't excuse anything that they do right it could maybe serve as an explanation but it's i think it's really unreasonable to expect kids to have the emotional maturity of a fully grown adult who still might not even have that level of emotional maturity. Like cause it's so easy for us as an audience member to be logical and like see everything from, you know, a a much different vantage point from them. But it to them, they only have their worldview in that particular world. Mm-hmm. So it's very complicated. But yeah, I agree. I think that needs to be taken into account, especially if you're going to assassinate a character for doing something that you don't agree with, that you gotta have, you gotta take their age into account yeah because it it really can sometimes really inform their decision-making process behind it
0: but then kind of brings to like also like oh what about Azula because she's 14 as well she's the same age as you know some of the other characters in the show which I think will be an ongoing discussion that we will have especially as we get into season three yeah and you know we see Azula's arc uh in that season um but, I feel like this the whole Azula conversation, I think this is something we might need to put a pin in on this kid conversation thing, like teenager character conversation,
1: yeah. The Azula thing is exactly what I was saying about how Azula is not particularly written or animated to resemble a child. no God, you no. know i'm I'm pretty sure if you showed Azula to someone who didn't see the show, mm-hmm. they probably would not guess that she's fourteen years old. Yeah, she looks a lot older.
0: I think probably the only time that, like, we really see her act kind of like a kid as far as, I think, teenager, like, actually act her age is probably the beach episode or whatever. beach episode, yeah. But that's kind of it, I think. I might be wrong. But that's all I could think of. And then, you know. But I don't know. I feel like Azula, there's, like, there's too much to talk about that we can fit into this episode here. We have a lot of big topics, you know? Yeah. So we'll definitely gradually take the you know metaphorical hairpin out of the azula conversation as we continue through this uh recap of avatar
1: yes definitely um so now some of my unpopular opinions i really had to think about these because i mean uh, the first one that i thought of was like i liked cora which is apparently an unpopular opinion Mm -hmm. um but so i i tried to really think of like okay like what really makes other avatar fans in my life be like huh and my first one that I thought of was, I was never on board with May and Zuko. And I think I mentioned it once before on the show, but I just never quite got what was going on there. And again, maybe this will change as we watch season three in the coming weeks. But it seemed to me that like the writing called for Zuko to like have a romantic relationship with someone who vaguely resembled him for him to realize that that's not what he wants anymore, and I think the reason I don't like their relationship is that May is treated like an object for Zuko's redemption almost, mm. and that it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, she is her own character. I'll give the writers that. You know, it's she's not some sort of milk toast character that doesn't have any sort of personality. She has all of that. But I mean, at the end of the series, what is she? except for a tool for Zuko to become a better person.
0: Does it, does that seem too harsh or like? Uh, I can see some of your points for sure. Um, honestly, I kind of had like an eh, relationship with like May and Zuko that like, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was cool when like May says like, you know, like I love Zuko more than I fear you. I thought that was a really cool moment for her. Especially yeah. because she's not a very, not saying that that moment was, the moment was kind of vulnerable. Uh, when she said that the Zula that where she's like you know that she loves Zuko um I thought that was a really cool character moment for her but as for their relationship I don't know I did kind of like like the two emo teenagers like being together like being happy miserable together um but mm-hmm. I don't really have particularly strong feelings on Mei and Zuko like their relationship
1: yeah it's just it's just that sometimes I see them talking some people in the fandom talking about Bane and Zuko like they were like the best relationship in the show and I'm just like
0: I don't I don't I don't know about that I wouldn't that. say that but I I'm kind of just like eh relationship I like, oh, look at the two hot topic emo kids talking about you know like hating yeah. the world or something like doesn't she say something like I like the way you hate the world or he says that to her or something I don't know
1: yeah something like that something emo um my next one is trying to decide who is the best avatar is pointless.
0: Yes. And
1: this isn't very spicy, but it is one of my unpopular opinions. I, for one, just don't like talking about, like, who would, like, win in a fight, Korra or Aang.
0: Yes. Oh, I hate those conversations. It's so
1: boring to me. Yeah. Because it's
0: like, it's taking these
1: really two amazing characters and boiling them down to who is stronger. And I just don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't K- that's the least interesting thing about these characters. They're
0: reincarnations of each other. They're kind of the same person, not exactly, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they're cut from the same cloth, sure.
1: But then it, it, when it comes past that, like Aang was a better avatar than Korra or Korra was a better avatar than Aang, every avatar is completely different. As we're also seeing with our Rise of Kiyoshi and Shadow Kyoshi Kiyoshi recap, every avatar is completely different. Every avatar has their own strengths and weaknesses. And deciding who was better than the other I mean, yeah. would it be fair to say that maybe Yang was a better avatar than like Kurik? Maybe, but well, we don't
0: know. Here's the
1: thing. But we, we don't, don't know. know we like... don't know all of the variables. We know these very small nuggets of information from these people. Yeah. And we uh, even with Ang and Korra, we see only a couple of years in the in their avatar hood. Like we don't know if they do anything else. That could tip the balances. So, to me, it's like kind of pointless talking about stuff like that. I don't know. And
0: also, every avatar, they're under different conditions. They live in different time periods. So, they have different sets of challenges to overcome. You know? They're,
1: yeah. They like, don't have the same problems.
0: They don't have the same problems. So, it's really impossible to judge them on their, like, you know, which one's better because they had to face different challenges. Exactly. Um, and had to, and like, all of them have had to make really difficult decisions, whether it's Aang or Yangchen or kiyoshi or Korra, like they all had to make difficult decisions they all made mistakes uh mm. you know and some of those mistakes probably had a rippling effect into the way the world's turned out in this universe
1: absolutely so,
0: just enjoy the growth enjoy the character and just you know stop paying them against each other y'all
1: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um, My next unpopular opinion is that I think Legend of Korra in more ways than one surpasses Atla. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about why a couple of times on the show, but it re- is some certain things about Korra resonate a lot more with me than Atla. And I think Korra is a much more... I'm not going to say nuanced take than Avatar because they were both very nuanced shows. But if if I was to pick which I liked more... Taking out the nostalgia factor for me, I would probably say Cora. Same. That's just me.
0: Same here. Actually, I mean, I tend to base on how much I like something, based on how much I rewatch it, and I based yeah. off of that logic, I like Cora better because uh, I've watched Cora more. um I'm happy to talk about all the reasons, all the things that we like more in Cora <laughs> than Atla. Let's let's. I mean, should we list our reasons?
1: <laughs> I mean, you can't. I already kind of listed mine. What are your yeah. reasons that I'm you just like? saying
0: that like? Um, I mean in terms of like I like it better because I can relate to Cora more. I feel like their world looks a little bit more like ours um because yeah. it is, you know, not that like not that Avatar, you know, that Atla wasn't based in things from our world because it's a lot of it was based in, you know, ancient history and you know, you know, different cultures and things like that. So there's like reality in both of them, but like Cora I like how it, I love the world building in Cora. I think that it's so cool to see. I love how I don't know, the world feels more lived in, in Korra, and that's why I like it so much. Um, Yeah. uh, What else about it that I like more? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's the benefit of time, the bending, it looks a lot better, and it's cool to see the evolution of bending, and also just how this ancient art form of martial arts translates into a world where there's skyscrapers. Mm Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah as, i mean some of the reasons I like it are just a product of the times, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the animation is better, the music is better um but it's not to say i i i think avatar is is or Atla is terrible by any means, but it just resonates Cora resonates with me with me a little more than Avatar does. They're just two for two for two shows that are supposed to take place in the same universe, they're very, very different shows for me, yeah. Yeah, I
0: agree.
1: And then speaking of Atla, it really sounds like I don't like Atla in this episode, but listen, <laughs> I don't want, I or never wanted a fourth season of Atla.
0: No, God there is, no. There's
1: this weird rumor that got started that they didn't make a fourth season because of the last Airbender movie. It's not true. That is just, uh, someone completely made that up and people ran with it. I don't want a fourth season, mainly because the three seasons to me were so perfect and I don't see what else could have been continued other than a redemption arc for Azula, which does get carried on in the comics, but we have we have some thoughts about whether or not that is needed we which we will talk about after the break but i I just don't know i i don't I don't see any universe where the show doesn't end with the final conflict of Susan's Comet, yeah, now, if you were to tell me that we're gonna make. Four seasons and the the final conflict with sozin is the end of the fourth season and the fourth season is air, then I would uh, maybe be a little bit more on board with it, but as it stands now, I mean there are still people that want this fourth season of Atlet and I just I don't I think it's way too late and i, I again don't see anything that can be that can be gained from it you know
0: yeah. I think the only i mean like the only thing that I would want to see involving like previous characters from Avatar. Like, would be more so about, like, I don't know. I mean, I would be fine with seeing it in a comic, too. But just, like, the, you know, uh, evolution of, like, you know, Aang as an adult. But Uh I feel like that would be, like, its own series instead of just being just the last airbender. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I feel like it would be very, very different if there were to be. I don't know. Sorry. I just kind of spooled off there.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. No, I, I get what you're saying. I... I also don't know if I want any uh, adult gang content. I think I'll. I mean, I know we we speculated that like the animated movie that Avatar Studios is doing is a solo, like one off adult gang movie. I would be down for that, but uh, apart from that, I just I feel like it's just it's done with. I I got I got what I got from it, and I still have more to get with the comics. But yeah, I think there with the the history of this show. I understand why people will want to see more of the gang, but at the same time, just imagine how many other characters we could be falling in love with. Exactly. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I say it's not needed. I mean, I would have liked I would like it, but it, the story feels complete with season three of Atla. Yeah. Doesn't need to really spin off any further from that direct conflict that was introduced in the first episode.
1: All right, well, those are our unpopular opinions. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be talking about some unpopular opinions from the fandom, including some that were submitted to us by our listeners. So we will see you after that. Hey, everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show.
0: And we're back with more unpopular opinions, but this time, we're mining our unpopular opinions from the fandom. These are not ones that we've come up with ourselves. These are just ones that we've seen floating around the internet, uh, Mm -hmm. specifically from some BuzzFeed articles.
1: And we will we will agree or disagree. Yeah. Or All maybe right. somewhere in the middle.
0: All right, speed round. Aang taking away Ozai's bending wins a lazy writing slash deus ex machina. <laughs> uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, it's because they use Deus Ex Machina. I fuck. I hate that. I hate, I hate that, that word. fucking phrase it's, so much.
0: Thank you, Cinema Sins, for ruining the word. I fucking hate it. But I mean,
1: listen. I, it's not at least at this time. It's not completely inaccurate, but. <sighs> I mean, I'm I'm of two minds about this. I I kind of agree slash disagree.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of split on this one too. I
1: agree that that it seemed a little
0: convenient that the lion turtle the
1: moment where Aang has a problem <laughs> is when he gets the solution. Like, I think it's I think people think this because Aang didn't really have to work for that solution; it was just kind of given to him which is kind of antithetical to the entire show where Aang has pretty much have had to work for solutions to his problems Mm -hmm. for the most part. But it's on the other hand, not out of nowhere because lion turtles were like hinted at throughout the show. So they didn't come out of nowhere. Their role in the, in the universe definitely. Well, we didn't even know at that point what a lion turtle was in Avatar. I think I just don't think of it as lazy writing because it's so true to Aang's character. Like, he managed to find a solution where it didn't compromise his personal morals. Whether you think that was a good decision or not doesn't necessarily have to do with the point about the writing being lazy. That's a whole other different discussion. But I don't think of it as as lazy writing only because it was in service of maintaining Aang's integral character if that makes sense yeah that makes sense. do you i mean what do you think kayla
0: i have i got nothing else to contribute on this one because i you know i don't think it's lazy writing i agree with you i mean i think it's the best way to get you know have and keep to his morals and things like that um but also like yeah i totally agree that like the way of getting up to that point was a little convenient but you know we'll re- probably revisit this when we get to the finale Like you know, yeah. I guess season 3 finale cuz I feel like this is going to be like a longer conversation.
1: Well, speaking of a, a longer conversation,
0: ooh, into another longer conversation of Azula deserves a redemption arc. Um here's the thing. I think when it comes to like I believe that she deserves to get as much medical help as she can, mental health help. You know, she needs like therapy, you know, probably whatever the Avatar universe is of anti, you know, like some kind of medicine, you know, like for Uh for her, you know, for her mental health. And, you know, again, she's 14 years old. A lot of shit was done to her during her developmental years. But there's a chance that she maybe won't be as wouldn't be as bad, but still probably have a lot of things to work through her entire life.
1: I question the reason behind wanting her to have a redemption arc. Is it just because Zuko got one? Mm -hmm. Is it because people truly want to see her redeemed? I mean, listen, the whole basis of whether or not Azula should be redeemed is whether or not it's even fathomable that she would do things to earn that redemption. Exactly. Because remember, redemption is not something that is foisted upon somebody. They have to work for it. Would Azula be able to be willing to work for it? I don't know. And that's, that's my answer. If you're ever if you're ever in that situation where you're like, this redemption arc doesn't feel earned, I wonder why. It's because they didn't work for it. Yeah. And that's
0: a good point. So it,
1: it boils down to whether or not you think Azula would be would be willing to work for that redemption. But you do make a good point, Kayla, that, you know, she's 14, she was heavily manipulated. At the same time, she did make her own decisions. So, you know, is it possible that she finds redemption later on down the road? That standard of redemption is gonna be different for everybody. That she's hurt, right? I don't think everyone is going to forgive her, which is not something you need for redemption necessarily, but I don't know. It's just, at the same time, from my needs as an Avatar fan, I don't need to see an Azula redemption arc. I She's just so great as a villain, yeah. and I don't think every villain needs a redemption arc, so I don't know.
0: I am intrigued to see what they do with her character in the search arc. I know that she comes back for it, and she confronts her mother. Um, so I'm interested in that part for sure. Yeah. Kind of seeing what she does after the Agni Kai. Um,
1: I do want her to see some closure with her mom. I do mm-hmm. want her to s- to see her work with Team Avatar. That doesn't mean that 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 she gets redeemed. Yeah. you know, you know. But again, that means different things for different people. So yeah,
0: exactly. Well, on to another particularly juicy, spicy topic. Uh, Aang does not deserve his loyal fan base.
1: Mm. My question is, what are the reasons?
0: Yeah, what is the reasoning behind this? Like, I am I'm confusion. Like, is it... I, I mean, based on what I saw in that article where I got this opinion from, it seemed like, you know, Aang makes selfish decisions and things like that. Essentially, I'm like... It's like, I saw this Tumblr post, I was like well, my favorite, this character does something problematic. And the person like replied like, yes, he's supposed to do something that's kind of problematic so he can grow from that stuff. So yes, Aang did selfish things, uh, but you know.
1: Well, that also ties into yeah. your point of like, he is 12. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, I don't know what the reasoning behind this is. Like, why doesn't he deserve? I think, I mean, like, do certain parts of the fandom, are they blind to some of Aang's misdeeds i mean maybe mm-hmm. you know i think there is maybe a little bit of a blind loyalty only because like he's the first avatar that we got to know and like there's there's a certain loyalty there sure but this kind of ties in with my own unpopular opinion about how in legend of Korra we find out that Aang wasn't really the best father and some people say that that completely ruins his character and i just don't agree at all because i'm just like why isn't ang allowed to be a bad father why is that out of character because to me it's perfectly in character because how many father figures did ang grow up with maybe one and he got killed so he didn't really get a whole lot of like fatherly experience like what makes you think that he would would know how to raise kids perfectly you know also
0: remember he's also a world leader and also responsible for rebuilding his culture yeah so like he is the last airbender and the avatar he is traveling the worlds, trying to settle diplomatic stuff probably having to get into a few fights uh it's kind of a hard place to raise kids and then of course they mentioned how like he kind of took you know tens and a lot of those trips well You know, I mean, it makes me sad for the other character, you know, for his other kids that weren't Airbenders at first. In the case of Boomy, but you know, yeah, it makes me it makes me sad for them. But I can understand why. It does not justify everything, but it's an it does explain it. You know, Uh,
1: absolutely, it does not excuse the favoritism that Aang may be employed. But also, again, we're we're getting that information from. Kaya and Bumi and Tenzin who have different recollection of events. So we're mm-hmm. not maybe even getting the whole story behind it. Yeah, exactly. But even, even then, that's not really the point. The point is that just because Aang made mistakes, it doesn't ruin his character. I think that's what that point meant of the loyal fan base being like, he he's Aang, he can't make mistakes. He most certainly can. And he does in the show multiple times, just like any other character, you know? So- that's all I have to say about
0: that. All right. Moving right along. Ozai was a bad villain. I liked him better when he was in the shadows. I did not like him when I was like, oh, look at that stupid goatee. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, don't, I mean, he's definitely a very good example of a classic mustache twirly kind of villain, especially when there's a lot of moral There's some morally great characters. And especially when looking at Korra's villains and how, you know, there's some moral grayness, some of their actions. Mm -hmm. Um, He's definitely a lot more of the mustache-twirling evil. Um, Sure. I don't know. I mean, what is like, like, you know, what makes a good villain, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a matter of taste at this point. I mean, it's hard to say whether or not I agree or disagree because in comparison to other villains of Avatar and Korra, Ozai does fall short in some areas. However... He was perfectly serviceable for what we needed as the big bad of the show. And I do want to also make this point that I've I've noticed a trend in discourse about villains is that the only way they can be interesting is if they are morally complicated. And I don't necessarily agree. There are different ways to make villains interesting. That is just one of them. Yeah. What makes Ozai interesting to me is how did he get here? what drove this person to make these decisions? That's what makes Ozai interesting for me. There is something great about the simplicity of his villainhood, mm-hmm. right? Like there, there isn't too much there. There is just evil and that's it. And it, that could, again, it could completely aligns with your taste of what you think a good villain is. For the purposes of of the story, I think he works just fine.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: But I don't think he's, a very layered character my only question about him is again how do we get here something we'll probably learn in the comics as well but yeah i mean i also think people are not interested in him as a villain because he is not redeemable whatsoever so people lose interest so uh, that's my other theory about him but yeah i don't know i i'm again in the middle i've been in the middle with pretty much all of these but yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i'm with ozai like There's nothing wrong with a good mustache-twirling villain, guys. I mean... No. Disney villains get celebrated. The classic ones, Ursula, you know, Jafar, Scar, like, all of those... Maleficent, literally, Mistress of Evil. Like, we all enjoy watching those villains, so...
1: Ozai is made more interesting by proxy of the other characters in the show cuz his development solely relies on what we know about Zuko and Azula. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, I mean it's a really interesting it's a really interesting like machine that's going on in the show of how we learn about Ozai. Um so, I mean, I think that in itself is really interesting. Again, the 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 person Ozai, I don't think is a particularly interesting character. Does that make him a bad villain? I don't really know. But Again, for the purposes of our story, I think it works just fine.
0: I think, I mean, he's a villain, not, he's not just an Like an antagonist, I think he could be allowed more wiggle room with being like morally, you know, morally conflicted and all that stuff. Villain is just yeah. straight up like evil. Right. That's that's right. what a villain is. He's a good villain in that case, I guess. Anyway, all right, on to the next one. Uh, Zhang Zhang would be more interesting as a character if he had gotten more screen time. And yeah, I mean, I think that would, you know, he was a firebender, didn't want to firebend because of you know the harm that he and others you know and and, you know others in the fire nation army had done um yeah i think his character is interesting enough by itself uh i would have liked to see more about him for sure maybe that's something we'll get in the live action series i don't know um so
1: i mean i agree with this i think it would have been interesting to have him interact more with the game because Zhang Jong has some very backwards ways of thinking when it comes to bending just because of his personal experience, but his thought is that fire bending in itself is pure evil and it can only mean destruction, and that goes completely against, like, the theme of the show of balance, right? Mm-hmm. For a character that has only appeared in two episodes, he's also a pretty memorable character, you know? So... Yeah, I think, I definitely think it could be interesting if you got more screen time.
0: Absolutely. And then the last one that we got from looking at some articles Katara should not have made bloodbending illegal.
1: This is another case of like, why? Yeah. <laughs> What's the reasoning? Um... It's
0: like, I mean, we were just talking about how like, you know, Jong Jong thought that kind of this backwards way of thinking that like, you know, firebending itself is evil. I know that bloodbending can be used for horrible, horrible things. We've seen it in the show, in both shows. Yeah. But like, what? There's got to be something. I mean, like with blood bending, there's got. There could be something good to be used out of it in case of like healing. I guess. Yeah,
1: maybe that's what this person is thinking of. Like, well, we don't even know if there are good uses of blood bending, or or maybe it's just like some people are like, "How dare you make bending my way of life illegal?" That's how some people would see it. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you putting a mask over my face? I can't breathe. Same mm-hmm. thing. I think it would have been a different story if blood bending was more common because mm-hmm. remember bloodbending is, is is something only very few waterbenders can do even if they even know about it
0: yeah didn't like you know? oh god what's her name Hama, wasn't she one that kind of invented it yeah right
1: invented it loosely i you mean know, discovered
0: I'm, it i guess is the right way of putting it
1: I think waterbenders would have might have figured that out
0: yeah, at some other
1: point, but I think she's the only one that kind of used it to the extent that she did. Yeah, there you go. That we know of. I mean, whether or not she made it illegal, I mean, I think maybe one of the sins of that is that she made more people aware of it, mm-hmm. which could be a bad thing.
0: So it's kind of like what it's because it's common with like police officers teaching kids like the streets slang for drugs and telling what sure. <laughs> like, I mean,
1: yeah, definitely something like that. But, I mean, again, because it's so rare and, and it can only happen...
0: In some cases before Yacone and, um, you know, his kids, you know... Going Yacon
1: out. was a very special case. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think we would have seen many other Yacones. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to disagree. I think mm. she definitely should have made it illegal because I think the, the cons outweigh the pros of bloodbending. If there are any pros of bloodbending, we don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean... Now, I'm thinking, like, what if Aang used bloodbending to neutralize the threat? Would he then be a criminal? So maybe there are good uses, you know? Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'm going to retract that. I'm in the middle again. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm kind of in the middle on this one, too. Um, Maybe we'll bring it up again. We see the Puppet Master episode. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. hmm. We'll see. (laughs) Cool. All right. So now we're going to get into some unpopular opinions from our listeners. And boy, are some of them spicy. Mm -hmm. The first one well admittedly not so spicy but interesting already um the way avatar handles politics often gets overlooked Facts. fair i agree i think it i think it gets overlooked because of how subtle and nuanced it involves politics and it's not the it's not politics how we know it but i agree i think it definitely gets overlooked for how how well it handles the politics of the world just like as a function of world building i think it's really good at that and Mm -hmm. it does get overlooked for sure so one of them was, "I love them together," but Korasami was queer baiting. Thanks to chokeholds from the network, the subsequent comments slash comics slash canon fixed it.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'm Go sure right we ahead. talked about it on our Pride Month episode. Hold on, let me get a drink of water before I get into this. Mm.
1: Lubricate, lubricate.
0: So, queer baiting is when a studio is actively aware that there is a queer following and it throws in subtext. Subtext is, a de- is like a you know. Subtext of, like, having, like, these two characters, same-sex characters, you know, having, ro- like, having kind of romantic tension. Exhibit A, Destiel from Supernatural. You know, the network was well aware they had a large queer following and queer ca- people wanted to, like, queer fans wanting to see Destiel get together. Um, and they just let them along for years and years and years until we get Superhell, which we talked about in the Pride Month episode. Uh, subtext is not necessarily... a bad is it, it can be used as a bad thing or it can be used as a good thing. Um, in the case of Korasami, there is subtext in the series. You see Korra blush when she's when uh, you know Asami tell you know tells that she likes her haircut. As we've seen in the series that we see other like, you know, for other couples, whenever someone's blushing, it means that they like that person. They are having a crush on them. And seeing Korra do the same thing. That is subtext. That is something that happens when a show cannot overtly show that these characters are queer. So another example of this would be Xena Warrior Princess, where they had plenty of subtext with, you know, I mean, some of it became bang text, but, you know, you know, just having to hide queerness in the fabric of the show because of homophobic, you know, censors and networks and things like that. Remember, guys, Kurosami came out in 2014 it was one year before same-sex marriage was legalized in the United States. Um, it's very easy to look back on like Khorasami and Bubbline and things like that because we have a lot of great queer representation today. For example, the Owl House is a non-binary character, a canon sapphic couple with its two main characters this early in the show. We have Steven Universe. We have a lot more examples of queer representation that I can't even think of right now in kids shows. So we've kind of been spoiled. Khorasami is not queer baiting. Uh, they had to hide it because of the network not allowing them. Words mean things, guys. It was not something that was meant to lead along to make queer viewers keep watching the show. That was something Supernatural had done. They did not, like, as far as I can tell, there was no such examples of that uh, in breaks intentions whatsoever.
1: No, and they even flat out said, no, we were not queer baiting." and I, for one, believe them. And it's also worth noting that however subtle or however non-explicit there is confirmation within the show that they do like each other and that they are queer so it's it's not queer baiting because we do get the confirmation that they do like each other versus if they if they had all this this tit for tat and flirting and it went nowhere then maybe i would see it you know and we talked about this more extensively on court on our Korosami episode but yeah, I don't, I don't agree at all. I don't think it was queer baiting. Again, I can see how people arrive to that conclusion because of this, of the trauma we've endured um, from mm-hmm. queer baiting in the past, being like so, so, so heavy handed to the point where like we know we're doing this and we don't care. You know, I understand, but in this case, I definitely don't think that that's what is happening here. Yeah, I don't think and so. And I will, re- I will disagree with you on one point, Kayla. Mm-hmm. You said that we were. Um, spoiled with all the representation we've been getting so far That's, we have not been spoiled no, no, we are no. barely scratching the surface of what we deserve
0: no you're right that is uh that was a that was a wrong word to use and thank you for pointing that out um yes. Yes. I, I apologize definitely for the use not of, spoiled no, no, no i guess you can say that like now because we i mean i know that it's like a trickle in comparison to the few drops we were getting before but because it is better oh god absolutely Way better. it's better yeah but you know we've been you know because we've seen a lot more queer representation, it's still a drop in the bucket, but it's more than what we got in 2014. So, absolutely, uh, I amended my statement. Thank you for pointing that out, Andre.
1: Of course, cool. Whew. Take a deep breath. We're good. We're good. Also, no, no hate to whoever sent this in. We're not. We're not saying you're a terrible oh, no, person. No, 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 no. no. We're, we're not... just kind of explaining how we feel about it. Yeah, That's exactly.
0: All. We're just. I mean, this is something that this is also a common opinion that I've seen, especially on yeah. Tumblr and things like that. Um, you know, and also I want to point out that every single creator that has come out with queer characters, like, uh, court, you know, for Khorasami, for Shira, for, you know, Adventure Time, for Steven Universe, for Owl House, all of those shows had to fight tooth and nail for that representation. Yeah. Like Korasami walked so bubbling, could jog so, you know, Cat Jodora could... Sp- could sprint so like you know lumity could you know naruto run into you know like it's just (laughs) it's just the best way i can describe it you know like
1: i know what you're saying yeah
0: it's getting better we need to demand better and yeah
1: i think what and correct (laughs) me if i'm wrong but i think what you're what you're saying is that calling cora sami baiting is undermining the benefits of what came after it
0: exactly Korasami opened the door for so many shows uh afterward for kids' animation. So yeah, definitely. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. There's so many feelings, guys. Next one, Korra is a good avatar.
1: Agree. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, an unpopular opinion, but yeah, agree. Yeah. Um, Vatu
0: was the best villain in Korra. This is interesting. In the sense that it's like a mustache twirly kind of villain. Sure. I guess. Is this
1: is another instance where I'd be like, okay, elaborate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel like we need more from this in order to like pass judgment on it. Uh, another pass judgment, you know, reflect on this. I should probably say. I'm not going
1: to, I'm only going to say disagree because I love the other villains so much more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that is an opinion and you mm-hmm. are allowed to have it.
0: Yeah, exactly. The whole, the whole thing with this is that like, we're just ref- you know, like, you are allowed to have your own opinions. Like the whole point yeah. is like, the whole point of this is just to discuss our thoughts on said opinions. It's not something that, you know, we're not, we're only trashing some. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, there's only some that we've actually outwardly trashed. Most of them are just like, okay, let's talk about this. Not trash, disagree. Yeah, just strongly, disagree. strongly disagree. Strongly disagree.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of strongly disagree, the next one is the airbender population shouldn't have come back through harmonic convergence. Mm. I'm like going to disagree because of the great things that we got out of it. I, yes. I maybe... Uh, can- empathize with like maybe it came out of nowhere for some people yeah. i can kind of empathize with that but, although they, we we did we... get a satisfactory explanation in my opinion
0: yeah so and also like the whole like balance spec the world kind of thing so
1: yeah i mean why not why not i think maybe the reason people don't like it is that ang being the last airbender was such a huge thing in the first series and to have it so easily reversed in Korra, I think maybe that's where people get a little chafed, which I can completely understand. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I I understand that. But I just, again, the things that come out of it, I truly do enjoy. So this next one is interesting. Uh, Mako is an example of toxic monogamy culture in seasons one and two and sulks his way through the rest of the show rather than effectively communicating. So, Yeah not totally not totally inaccurate um and this was actually going to be one of my one of my unpopular opinions in the first segment of the show but I'm I'm going to drop it here where I looking looking at it in a wide lens I don't think that Mako is that bad of a character does he make really really annoying questionable decisions yes does he not communicate his emotions yes does he string uh, other characters along romantically, yes, but is it reasonable for us to want a seventeen-year-old boy to effectively communicate his emotions? <laughs> like, I I can barely do that as a twenty-three-year-old, and yeah. I'm expecting a seventeen-year-old teenager to have that kind to of to effectively maturity. communicate his. Com- I'm not saying what he did was justified. Oh God, no, at all. Like he definitely should have done not done the two-timing between Cora and Asami.
0: Mm-mm.
1: And I think the writers, in some respects, kind of shot themselves in the foot with having that be our introduction for Mako in the yeah. first season, you know? But I think once we get the ball rolling, especially at season, seasons three and four, is there still something more to be decided from his character? Yes, absolutely. I think they could have done a way more. Uh, season three, I think, is definitely the best for Mako. But at the same time, it's just like, Yes, absolutely, an example of toxic toxic monogamy culture, but I do think he is given just a little bit of a bad rap, just yeah. a little bit too much for for my liking. Because I don't think he means ill ever. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't do things the most effective or smart way, and neither do other characters in the show. They just seem they just have different consequences than what he does. You know, mm-hmm. um. And yeah, and there is a little bit of that thing of like the writers are sort of like, uh, I don't know what to do with him if he's not dating Cora, you know, mm-hmm. but I think he is more of a more a consequence of the I don't know what to do with him writing than like the actual character.
0: I got nothing yeah. new to contribute to this. I agreed spot on for all of it. <laughs> yeah. And again, that could change once we get into Cora on the show, but we'll see.
1: Um, someone said, not sure, this is an unpopular opinion, but Zuka supremacy, I'm assuming Zuko and Sokka. Yes. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Next question. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, There's like, there the were key- fights
0: breaking out in the one Avatar Facebook group that I was a part About of. About Zuka? About Zuka. Yeah.
1: Wow. Why? Yeah. Is it Zutara versus Zuka?
0: No, it's more so just people being homophobic.
1: <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs>
0: Well, so, like, people being homophobic and not realizing that they're being homophobic.
1: Oh, that's almost even worse than actual, mm-hmm. like, blatant homophobic. Homophobia.
0: Yeah, and Great. this one guy got all pissy at me for, like, saying that he was, like, he was saying things that were homophobic. Like, I have friends that are gay, and I'm like, oh, God. Okay. Moving on.
1: <laughs> Moving on. The Kiyoshi novels are better than the two shows.
0: We haven't finished the second one yet, so... Yeah, we, haven't finished can, we can we, we even really... answer that question? I feel like there's... The Kyoshi books, obviously, it's a different form of media than the shows. Same universe, but, like, I don't know. It's just, like... It's,
1: it's again, it's so different and mm-hmm. much more adult than Avatar Oh, Orakura. absolutely. So I don't know if I can even compare them.
0: No, I don't think it's fair to compare them. I don't think it's... You really can't see them on the same playing field as each other.
1: I think it just comes down to what you, as an Avatar fan, enjoy more. Like, consuming av- How you consume Avatar. There you go. You know? I don't know. I get different things out of the Kiyoshi novels. I get di- different things out of Korra. Different things out of Atla. I'll probably get different things out of the comic books too. You know, so I don't know. It's hard for me to compare.
0: Yeah, because the books don't have the same restrictions that the shows do. That's why oh, yeah. it's able to, you know, do some of the things that it does in the books, as you've seen from our Kiyoshi reviews. <laughs>
1: um. Oh, this next one. This next one is spicy. Zuko's redemption arc is kind of basic.
0: I would like an elaboration on that.
1: Again, more elaboration would be great. But, I mean, let's think. Why... Okay, why would someone think it's basic? Yeah. Is it because a lot of Rasuko's redemption arc is comprised of, like, things that happen to him and not so much as things that he does? I mean, he does take steps. He does make decisions to be a better person. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know. I mean, we're also talking about... 2006 or something. So, uh, t- redemption arcs were still finding their kind of footing in American television. At least, well, at least in the the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um especially in any any sort of medium like like kids television, but I don't know. I would ask for more elaboration on this before I agree or disagree. Obviously, I at this point disagree because I'm like yeah, I, don't I think just it's think basic. it's so it's so different and so completely well done
0: we haven't seen really anything like it at least in what i've watched you know
1: not not to the scope of something yeah not not to that scope
0: and it's well done and it's like earned you know i agree keyword is earned
1: earned yes Mm -hmm. um i don't want to see any more gang content i want to see more previous avatars and after cora agree i already said this earlier yeah, okay. i want to see more things about the previous avatar- avatars i want to see more things about Korra because we we Korra didn't is falling a few episodes short of how much atla got so yeah i definitely want to see more Korra um because i think that world has a lot more to offer and it
0: would be interesting to see like the after Korra of like how technology evolved so much in the span of like you know Atla to Korra, so what would be for like Korra to the next,
1: or even just from season one to season four of Korra? Yeah. There's so many, so much advancement. Exactly, but I think the real money in Avatar Studios is those previous Avatars that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. I think people are are real thirsty to learn about av- Avatars that they don't know about. Mm. I mean, imagine how excited, like, remember how excited we got when we were learning about Avatar Zedo in in Sh- Shadow Kyoshi, like. That's mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, yeah. I want to learn more about the other avatars. Unalak is actually a great villain.
0: Yeah. I think he's also kind of particularly scary because, like, he, you know, is... When it comes to him, it, like, his justifications um, for doing the things that he does, like, the slimy things that he did, that, you know, kind of like this big old spiritual, the ends will justify the means kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just kind of overlooking people's lives and stuff you know how he fucked over Cora's dad uh you know like twice is it in the series yeah (laughs) twice. so in that sense yeah I mean he's definitely a little bit more mustache twirly than the other you know Cora villains um but I think he's again he yeah they definitely could have done better with him but then again he could have done better with the whole series and the whole series sure. the whole season. I can't talk really the whole season, but yeah, I don't think he deserves much shit.
1: I think he's great in that he is a great manipulator. There and you so go. is Kuvira, but Unalok was able to manipulate not only his own family but the literal avatar into being her mentor, you know? So I think he's definitely an effective villain. Mm-hmm. Um I do think he gets a little overshadowed by Vatu in the grand scheme of things. So I think that's maybe why we don't really think of him as like a top tier villain because he wasn't he was sharing the spotlight with someone else versus Amon, zahir kavira getting being getting the title of the villain of the of the show. so, yeah, i would I wouldn't I wouldn't wholeheartedly disagree with that mm-hmm. And the last one of the recording, Vatu and Rava embody more of a God versus Satan relationship. That Western religions usually depict rather than Eastern philosophies that highlight the importance of balance and coexistence. Juan locked up Vatu and Korra destroyed him, rather than learning how to coexist with Rava to achieve a balance between the two. This is really interesting. Yeah. I did not think about this pretty much ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would yeah, I would kind of have to agree. I mean, that is a very much a Western religion sort of thing. And the Eastern philosophy of the balance and coexistence is something that it is already in Avatar. Um, I don't know if it would have, uh, maybe they were not they were trying to avoid the redundancy of it kind of feeling like an Aang and Ozai conflict all over again, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe they wanted a different ending of because we already saw Juan lock up Vatu, so maybe we didn't want to see the exact same thing over again, because Cora almost did it. She almost just locked him up again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's interesting to consider, definitely.
0: Thank you to whoever sent that in. That was This is super interesting.
1: Yeah, a great one to end on. Well, thank you to everybody who sent these in. They were yeah. really, really fun to talk about.
0: Absolutely.
1: If you have any other unpopular opinions that didn't make it in the show... Uh, let us know. We'd always love to talk about them or just talk about the ones that we listed today if you have any specific op- opinions or feedback about what we discussed.
0: Again, just wanted to emphasize we're not like trashing people's opinions or anything. Like your opinion is your opinion. You know, we can agree to disagree on these kind of things. It's not like it's, you know, politics or it's people, you know, people's lives at risk for right. that kind it's of thing. It's just a TV show. It's <laughs> just, it's, it's a TV show and book series. It's some, you know, multimedia world. It's a fictional world. Let's move on to Fandom Corner.
1: All right. Kayla has this, uh, this TikTok yes. that she's going to play for us.
0: It's just like, I think we've reviewed this person on the show before in our um, TikTok. After hour. To- yeah. Yeah, in our after hour TikTok. How does nobody
1: bring up the time that Toph obliterated these guards' perception of reality? As far as these guys know, metal bending does not exist. Then one day this little girl busts their door down, <laughs> falls face first onto it, and then becomes the goddamn door. In two seconds flat, <laughs> Toph puts the absolute fear of God into these three guards. Oh god. <laughs> I always I always giggle. Um when it's like she knocks the duh the and then she on the last beat she kicks the door down. I love that. <laughs> I
0: love that I forgot yes. she did that, honestly. But I love like I, I love his videos. He's that like we reviewed, I think, one or two of his other videos about him like thirsting over like the the guys in like Torah and yes. Ad, you know Atla. Um yeah. but I don't know, it's just so funny when there are people just yelling at the screen like <laughs>
1: And then she becomes the door. (laughs) Yeah. What's their, what's their TikTok handle so people can follow them.
0: Their TikTok handle is D which is D M O T T a
1: three D three.
0: Oh, sorry. It's only just a D. Okay.
1: All right. Recommendations. What do we got our recommendations for this week? Kayla. All
0: right. So mine might be a little bit more vulnerable, but you know, it's important to talk about mental health. Um, so I've been struggling with depression on and off the last few years, and uh, it's definitely gotten worse in the last you know, year and a half for obvious reasons and other reasons. Um, so I recently made the steps to get help. I've been going to therapy for years, but um, it got to the point where it, just therapy wasn't going to cut it. Um, so I went to a psychiatrist this week and I have been, I, di- you know, I have been got the official depression diagnosis and I got my, um, I got to pick up my antidepressants and I've been on them since Monday. So, um, you know, I just wanted to be a candidate about that as possible. Um, you know, I really want to make sure people know that it's actually not that big a deal to get on antidepressants. There's more people on it than, you know, it's something that my psychiatrist told me that there's plenty of people out there who are on medication that's going to help their mental health. Um and like as for side effects that I've dealt with, just kind of drowsiness during the day. Um but you know check with you know check with mental health professionals if you think that's right for you. And you know it's okay to get help. Uh you know, there's no shame in getting medication for it it's an illness. So it can be treated. Um, so make sure that you know, check in with your mental health. And I really, if you're able to, if you have the resources to, I recommend going to therapy and, you know, seeing a psychiatrist, if you think that you need to be on medication. Um, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be, honestly. Um, so I, just, I, that's my recommendation for the week is antidepressants and getting the mental health help that you need.
1: All right. Well, thank you for being so candid about that, Kayla. And yes, it is very, very important that if you do have the resources, definitely get uh the help um that you deserve absolutely um I kind of wish I went first because <laughs> I don't know how to segue from that to this so kayla Kayla's out here being a mental health advocate, and I'm out here being a money saving advocate.
0: Hey, that's good for your mental health and saving money
1: <laughs> I, I guess I guess sure
0: I tried, I tried, I really did <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, um. <laughs> So I've been in this um I've been in this race with my uh, partner to see how many um, receipts we can scan with this app because it gives you points back and you can redeem them for like gift cards. Um, the app is called Fetch Rewards, and I would definitely recommend getting it. It's a really it's really great for like um just buying or not buying. Just uh you gain points every time you scan a receipt um sometimes you get 25 sometimes you get 50 if you're lucky and you happen to buy an item that happens to be on like their week's like um wish list you'll get extra points but um you can get like a 10 dollar gift card for like starbucks or something or like a 25 five dollar gift card for barnes and noble if you get enough points um but yeah it's just a, a really great way to save money um and i would i don't know i'd highly recommend that awesome very very two opposite ends of the spectrum there uh
0: (laughs) honestly i kind of threw antidepressants on there because i also had no idea what i was gonna put so i'm like you know what i'll just go with the you know psa kind of route for this (laughs) so glad
1: i wasn't talking about my new ipad uh this week (laughs) anyway (laughs) all right so where can the good listeners find us kayla
0: well, you can find us on Twitter at Avatar Hour, Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast. And uh, if you'd like some extra Avatar Hour in your life, make sure you subscribe to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour Podcast. You get some awesome benefits and you can get it for as little as $1, up to $5 if you wish. Um, you can get access to our Google Docs, our ad free Avatar Hour, and of course, our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Um, I think our most recent one was when we were talking about the, uh, it like elaborating more on the, the casting. casting news? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and there's also, there's also some great ones on there. Like we find out what vendors we are, what, um, let's see with like we react, reacted to avatar TikTok, Like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, I think my personal favorite is when we reacted to, uh, we, I mean, we each came up with terrible live action casting for an avatar series. Uh, It still makes me laugh thinking about it. So go check those out. You can get the five dollar level.
1: Yes, absolutely. And if you want your voice to make a special appearance on the show, you can record your theories or any feedback about the show on the voice memo app on your phone. And you can actually email it to us at the avatarhourpodcastgmo.com and we will play it on the show um, for everyone to hear. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Until then, my name is Andre.
0: And I'm Kayla. Bye everyone.